Good morning and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Could be a tricky affair at Vicarage Road coming up against Watford. New coach, so not a lot of time for Arsenal to actually do their homework of how the coach is going to set up against them. I mean, it's also you know, nice to have another Premier League back in full swing after the about two close two-week layoff. Because I mean, I can at times I can actually do without because over time a person has also lost you know interest with the regards to the international break. Um, yeah, Vicarage Road always a tough game for Arsenal getting a result. I mean, the last few games we have been you know when we were there getting some results, but I mean it's normally it turns into a real scrap. You know, like you know you really have to have almost like warriors going into a game like this because I mean if you think what it took last season a uh, uh, charge down ball by Aubameyang to Yes. For winner. And <laughs> even with uh, Watford going down to 10 men when Trojini got sent off for his elbow check on Torreira, I mean, Watford still looked the better side of the two over the 90 minutes. So Yeah, not, we were very lucky to win that game, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, that was the type of game we were just, you know, at times just barely hanging on. And at times it looked like Watford had 11 men and we had the guy sent off. Yeah, that, that is a scary part. But, like... um. You could see Arsenal didn't have the quality. I mean, that one season, I think it was the 2015-2016 season, where we went there and absolutely batted them yeah. 3-0. So, hopefully... Ozil and, and uh, Sanchez just tore them apart. Like, yes, that was, that was that game. And, I mean, I, I wish that Ozil could come back into the Arsenal side. And we don't have a player that we like Sanchez as yet, you know, that yeah. takes games to, to players when the, rest, when the chips are down. I'm hoping Nicolas Pepe can be... Fat guy against against Watford, and maybe he can get off the score sheet as well. But like you mentioned, Troy Deeney is not going to be playing this game, so it's a sigh of relief for us. I mean, look, Watford now go into this game with a new coach, Kiki Flores. Uh, you know, also been a coach of Watford a few seasons back. Um, who replaced uh, Javier Garcia, which was also, you know, a strange. Uh, you know, decision by the board because it's not like uh, Garcia was doing that bad of a job. It's just, you know, like almost like coming off a rocky start, you know, opening season. And normally it takes about a month for certain teams to normally, you know, get back into the swing of things. Uh, like I'm talking of mid-table teams, the way Garcia, you know, pulled them into uh, that sort of outfit last season. But, you know, a new, again, the same challenge with, with Kiki Flores, who probably now will have something to prove. And as we discussed now before we did the podcast, uh, you know, Kiki Flores also has a scalp of Arsenal on his belt. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a very tricky affair. I mean, Arsenal now coming off uh, kind of a holiday. I know the guys have been working hard. Coming off losing to I mean, losing to Liverpool, yes, throwing to Spurs. So, I mean, you, you want to come back strong and get the three points. I mean, you need to now, because we're playing... United in, at Old Trafford soon, so you want to build up, you know, a buff of points. So when you go to Old Trafford, you don't have to like, you know, chase the game to get the result. And I mean, are we getting also to a stage. I mean, I didn't expect it to be like it, but I mean, we already having like Man City already setting the pace with their run so far. Liverpool are not far behind, so I mean, you you already see the the gulf, you know, between the, the first, second, and the rest of the league. Liverpool's actually the only team that hasn't lost a game yet in the in the in the in all the divisions. Not sorry, not the lost a game. Sorry, dropped points because they've won all their games straight. Yeah. And I mean, Spurs still took points of City, which so 
it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. Um, the, the Champions League coming up, the Europa League teams are going to have to start balancing it. And like you mentioned to me about you know when when we have our little private chats, I think Arsenal have the I wouldn't say we have the most quality, but we have the biggest squad depth for players to be able to go in a Europa League run and a Premier League run. Maybe not the Champions League run as yet, but we have our youngsters who can play and get the three points in the Europa League. Yeah. And I mean, with regards now to player fitness at the moment, um, there's a big question mark now over Xhaka and Torreira because each of them, during the international break, got to like, knock for the country, play for the country. So there's a big doubt over both. I mean, you know, you never know. They could even make the squad anyway. Like, you know, even a, a slot on the bench. Um, then in other news, uh, Beller and Tierney now starting to train with the first team now. Um, Lacazette, that was only, you know, also a bit of a dark point to all this news at the moment because he's now... Um, oh, Emery has now said, look, he's going to probably miss the rest of September. Of course, the media, you know, already went into sort of uh, clickbaity mode, trying to get the Arsenal fans into, you know, dire straits again, because they were now saying, oh yeah, he, uh, Lacazette is going to be out for like a month. Almost like forgetting there's only about two weeks to September till we get to October, so you know, it's, it's, I think it, it's alright. I mean, let him rather heal up, you know, get that ankle sorted 100% instead of, you know, like going into every game with an ankle at 60 or 70% then, he, you know, it's, it keeps on getting setback, setback. So let him like you know rest out. We have the firepower. Whether it's you know Obama, Young, Pepe, and I mean you've got people like Chris Nelson, Martinelli, and them all, and then even uh, Saka as well to come in. Um, in other also news, uh, look with regards to again uh, with the British media also trying to almost like send this, this sort of message where you know oh, Pepe didn't play for Ivory Coast, and um, I think many missed like uh, thankfully you know so, like the African. Uh, you know, sports sites were actually saying uh, Nicolas Pepe actually asked the coach of Ivory Coast if he could, uh, you know, withdraw from the squad because he just feels like personally he's not physically right yet to play. Because, I mean, I, I think that's also where Una Emery is being a bit cautious with, with Pepe at the moment because I think a lot of people are also forgetting he came off an African Nations Cup campaign and yeah. I think in a matter of a week or so the deal to Arsenal was already going to be on the go, and then he had to already do his medical there, and you know, it's almost like you go from a French league season to an African Nations Cup, and then you have to suit yourself on again to, you know, to be in, like, let's say it's a new league, which is not, I mean, also not the easiest, so I think that is where we should also have, a, you know, somewhat patience now in that sense with regards to him, I mean, I know sometimes we have been now critical of him with us, you know, like I want him to rush to get into that Lille type of form. But I think that's where, I think when he knows for himself, if he's going to fire on all cylinders, I think that is going to be of, you know, great benefit to us as a club. Um, I'm just scared, sorry to interrupt, I'm just scared that, uh, you know, we're going to have that Chivinho of old coming to, like Arsenal, because Chivinho came from Lille, you know, had this expectation that was going to, you know, do well at Arsenal and then completely went, Belly up in that. I mean, I my personal take always of Giovinio was he was almost like at the stage where he was, you know, mid to late 20s. And I mean, I, you actually thought he was going to bring that sort of maturity and that in, but I mean, he did not really bring it. I mean, it came in fits and starts and 
more often than not, he actually went missing in, you know, big games. I mean, you can actually count maybe on one hand how many key games that he actually now, you know, stood out in. Because, I mean, that's why I think many Arsenal fans know he played for Arsenal, but it's not like, you know, somebody that, you know, will stick in the memory type of thing, type of player, I should say. Yeah, these moments. Just to go back to some point you brought up, the, you can move on now. I just want to mention that, you know, it shows a long way how Arsenal have come on an attacking front, you could say, with regards to the luck as a thing where they could actually arrest him till maybe call it October. Because before, what would happen is we would force a player to come back because we really had no other alternative striking-wise or up front for the quality. So it's a good sign that we could actually arrest the player. And like if you look at Liverpool or, or Man City, for example, do they actually have that luxury to arrest a Salah or Aguero or Mane for such a period of time? Yeah, but I mean, I just think, I think that is what, what sets them also at that golf in a way. Because, I mean, look at the, uh, a few weeks back, they could even start like Jesus in a match, and you yeah. put on uh, Aguero as a substitute. So, you got something that's going to do damage to you, either while he's playing that as the starting eleven, or something's going to come off the bench and actually will do damage against you. Whereas, as you said now, last season, and that we didn't really have that. We're going to say, okay, this guy's going to come off the bench, and he's going to... I think that's also where the, the pressure started building, also on Eden Kedia, in, in Kedia, because Everybody expected it. Look, you're going to have to score now. You know, we got rid of our forwards and that. The manager, you know, puts his faith in you now. So, you know, you're going to have to score. But I think that also all added up to him at time, you know, choking up his chances when he did get, you know, in attacking positions. And I think that's also, you know, where some Arsenal fans would then get frustrated with him as a, a striking alternative with Welbeck in out at the time. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And then the final point with regards to player fitness and you know, the injury news, Rob Holding has now already put his hand up and said, look, he is available for selection now for the squad. So I wouldn't be surprised if he either gets a, a bench slot for tomorrow's game or maybe even for the Europa League game. Because, th- look, he's now played quite a few of the under-23 games. So, and, he, you know, he's looked quite solid, looks quite confident, and even in training also looks quite good. I think everything is soon, like, you know, it's a bit unfair maybe now to say this to him because, you know, he's been he's been a lot of injuries at the club. But I feel that Emery needs to start getting to know what his starting eleven is. I mean, guys, you can probably play week in, week out, and you can alter your team tactically with bringing in maybe one or two players here and one or two players here from time to time just to get the squad rotation good. But... Sometimes it's just too many changes from one week to the next and there's nobody settling in the position because we don't know who's going to be playing at you know in the centre role now this coming week. Because now, it's just how he is. The topic you now brought up that is actually the direction I was gonna swing the the talk to now. Um you know, with regards to the, the I, I like my points that I now wanted to point out. You know, for me, solidity is also needed at all costs going into this game now at Watford because, you know, we're already coming into this. I mean, everybody knows already it's also got a terrible away record and it's, it's going to probably take, you know, almost like a season to try to fix the wrongs because, look, we've been shocking the lot, if you think of last season. I mean, also the amount of goals we are cashing in every time, which is, I mean, you to be in the top four, you can't allow, you know, that sloppy goals or... Or, you know, the thing that you and Akiman harping on about that, you know, that, that conceding between 38 and 45 yes. minutes, things like yes. that. Or even from the, you know, 46 to 48th or 49th minute in the second half. Uh, it's things like that where that needs to be really ironed out. And 
also for me, my biggest concern at the moment, you know, we're going into matches every time. Uh, so also happened last season. We were going into these matches as favourites. Eh? And when you look at it, I mean, you, you like say us as fans or podcasters or you know, the YouTubers and that, that are giving our opinion on the game, you have that sort of air of, of you know, positivity and that. And then it takes about five minutes and that things go out of the window. Because all of a sudden, it goes from a game that could have been, you know, 70, 30 or 80, 20 in our favor. It goes to a game that's 50, 50 and all of a sudden it can just swing anyway. And that's the sort of thing that almost like, it, it, it's almost like a dark cloud that's hanging over us at the moment. Because we all know the defense is an, our biggest Achilles heel. Because it, it, it doesn't help, you know, you've got an attacking force that's going to, you know, totally blow the opposition away. But I mean, you always got that uh, what if moment in the game. The problem is, I think Arsenal don't have that. I don't know if they have it yet. The, I don't know if it's the players or the coach or, or just a combination of the both, where they just don't have it. We're going to stamp our authority on this game. We're going to take on Till and take it with a scrap of the neck, and you're going to be lucky to even have a sniff of, tra- of a chance. I mean, that's what we used to be about, you know, go back the invincible era, is how Arsenal used to actually, you know, take games with a scrap of the neck. And if you have chances, you're very lucky about it. And Arsenal don't have that identity yet. And it's like, it always like went out the window with Wenger. And I think Una Emery still hasn't found it yet. So you'll see a lot of games, they struggle to sometimes find their feet before they get into it. And it's a bit too late sometimes. And I mean, you know, there's also a point I want to make in regards to the tactical now of the team or under the management, I should say also. You know, we need a more fixed game plan, as Una said, yes. like a few topics before now. We, I mean, you know, as my, I'm not going to be now saying, oh, yeah, let's start, uh, you know, that you get some idiots that want to start this whole Emery out type of thing and, and, and that type of train, which I find totally stupid. But, I mean, what, what kind of worries me or the slight concern is like, you know, Emery has a game plan and going to games, right? And then yeah. it gets to a point where if that game plan is not working after 15 minutes, you can see he started to lose his rag and that is, in a way... My worry again with him as, a, as the coach, because all of a sudden you see, okay, the plan is not working. It doesn't like he goes into like, a, he's frozen. And in that time that he's frozen, that is when the other team gets the upper hand. And it's almost like he's like, you know, going around to the assistant. And it's almost like, you know, what do I do now? What tactic do I do now? What sort of thing do I do now? And I think that is where he should be as a coach where, and it's almost like it then rubs off on the players also. When they now in that phrase, this plan is not working. What do we do now? And I think that is where you're going to also need your, your big players to help out. And that is the thing that you and I have been pointing out also with regards to the captaincy and that, or that, that sort of guy that's going to really, you know, grab them all by the, by the, the uh, collar and, you know, drag them into battle type of thing, you know, when the chips are down. That, and we that, have is, that. that is so true that, that you bring that up. And, Maybe that's the reason why last season we struggled to take a lead at first half. Yeah. Because, like you said, everybody got the tactics wrong and he couldn't correct it almost on the pitch. So he had to go into half-time and hoping that we don't, you know, not losing the game at half-time. And that's how we could kind of correct the games. So sometimes we would maybe struggle going in at half-time to win a game because if we were losing already because we were so far gone in the, in the game... So that is something that he definitely needs to correct. And the thing about the leadership comes to down with the, the players on the pitch. I mean, 
I don't know if it was Thierry Henry or Robert Perry, or one of the older guys that, you know, back then. So when Benger came up with a game plan or whatever and it stopped working or whatever, then Patrick Vieira would then go to the guys and say, on the field, this is not working, we're going to do something like this now, we're going to try this. And even the guys, the other players in the team would say, but hey, Wenger said we must do this. But then he would go, guys, Wenger's not the one playing the game right now. His tactic is not working. Let's get through to halftime doing this. If it works, good. If it doesn't, we try something new. And that's not what we have. We don't have that in the team. The guys just yes, man, listen to the coach. I mean, it's almost like you end up having a sort of brand of football. Like, I mean, that's like the way we're having. And I mean, I hate sometimes when, when, when pundits criticize in that sense, but... You know, if, if you now just step back as an Arsenal fan and listen to it as a neutral, I mean, it is making sense because you can't... Because, uh, I mean, like, I think what's happening at the moment, even now, like with Una Emery, look, it didn't happen with, with Wenger because, you know, you would just end up just sitting there. If, if things are not working, he sits there and he mopes and, he, you know, puffed his arms in the air and stuff like that. Whereas Una Emery, when you, you can see things, you pick up already when things are not working for him, you'll just prance around and not prance around, like he walks around like very pensive, and you see that, that almost like that, that energy is taken out of him until, you know, we somehow click into gear. But that aside now, he needs to uh, almost like let them do their, their business on the field. I mean, you can give them directions now and then or maybe now and then call a player over, pass a message on and let that thing, you know, pass through the squad like that. Because we being run almost like, you know, the old uh, championship manager type, type of games, you know, the PC games where... All you have to do is just sit at your PC and watch the the, the stats going, and, and and you doing your, you know, when you put in little orders in the game and, and yeah. so and I think that is where it's also backfiring on us because the minute that goes out of the window, that connection between the the, the the players on the pitch and the coach on the sideline, then that also almost like whatever game plan we had goes out of the window. I think that there used to be a, but I think we we too rigid, like you say, so. Every probably sees the guys out in the field and tells them you're going to do plan A. The guys don't try and venture away from I'm not saying they must, they must completely disregard Emre's tactics. I mean, if Emre's tactic is working, you use it and you use it to your full advantage. But it's almost like the guys are, if plan A is not working, we have to stick with plan A until half time, until we get told to do plan B. The guys don't try to show some sort of initiative. I'm not saying... 10 players bomb forward. I'm saying maybe, you know, maybe sit to now midfielders just sitting and holding just to weather the storm. Or, you know, a second midfielder push on just so we can get another numbers and attack. It's just the, 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 the game plan just sticks until halftime, whether we're losing or we're throwing. We saw that thing against Liverpool as well when we didn't change things up up until after halftime when Emre had a chat with the guys or, you know, bringing Willock over something. That's, that's the point I also want to make because that moment you talk about was against Liverpool, yes, we had that tactic where, you know, Liverpool were just picking balls in the box and it was kind of, you know, pissing us off. But, I mean, you could see there was a game plan. But did you notice the minute Liverpool scored that goal, that whole plan went out of the window. Everybody seemed to be, you know, having that deer in the headlights type of look to them. And <laughs> nobody knew what to do. Then everybody looked, looked shell-shocked. And, I mean, that it, it also... When you look at, at Una Emery after the goal, you could see, I mean, I'm not going to swear, but you could see he wanted to curse at that moment that that ball went in of the head of, of Matip. Because then you knew, he thought, oh man, the, the plan is out of the window. Now, now I'm going to have to come up with a new thing now. 
And I mean, for, to a degree, you, you saw a bit of fight, and then afterwards, Liverpool then just overrun us that second half, because it's almost like we were still trying to, as you said, since we don't have that sort of fixed plan to what we are doing, then almost like once that thing goes out of the window, plan B is still probably in, in, in a raw phase. So you don't know, you see a total, you know, where people are running almost like headless chickens at times. You know, I, I, I know I never had the best uh, image of Jose Mourinho, so he spoke watching a documentary, and I think Arsenal can maybe take a page similar to this out of their book. So he had his training session for the game, and they've been a play Sunday. Then he takes one of his players off, and he says, guys, we're playing with 10 men now, and we're 1-0 down. How are we going to react to this? So he kind of gives it that game plan situation of being 10 men and one all down. What are we going to do? I don't think Arsenal have that. They just have their plan A. And I mean, I think they should have a plan B, you know, like against Liverpool. Okay, this is our plan. If we nick two or three goals, we can stick to it. But if Liverpool scores and makes it one nil, we do this until the 60th minute. If it's still one nil, then we start changing to this. I think there isn't of that. There's just guys just nick a goal, let him cross the ball. And if don't let them score. When they score, that's when, like you mentioned, the DA and headlights thing. They don't have different scenarios. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like they have different scenario training if they should be up with 11 men or they're down with 10 men. Go 1-0 down, go 2-0 down. It just doesn't seem that they have that. Aiden, do you also remember, um, say, last season, where Una Emre went on after that, that two back-to-back defeats in the beginning, where they went on that, what was it, 22 game? Yes. Game run, unbeaten run. And did you see, look, he, his man management skills were, you know, really uh, heightened with, you know, the way he was doing those little tweaks and that, especially like, you know, the Spurs game at the Emirates and that, which also led us now to winning that game and, and other games also where it looked like drawable games he was changing to wins and things like that. But then it's almost like we came up against Liverpool and then everything just fell off. Like, you know, the wheels literally fell off. Yes. But like, since then, it's not like we, then we've been... That fits in starts like a couple of uh, games, a couple of wins, losses, couple of wins, losses like that. And that, that is where that inconsistency also just grew, you know, last season where in the end when it, it became, you know, something of what would have been a formality that last 10 games, we ended up just, you know, the, the, comp- the plot was completely lost going into that, you know, that final straight of the Premier League. You, you're right, and you know, our, I know they often on our way record last season, but you look on an unbeaten run, our way record wasn't the worst coming up. Then the Southampton game came up, and then shortly after, like you mentioned, we played Liverpool. So it was almost like that tipped the scale, and suddenly after that, Arsenal just couldn't do, buy a win away from home, and then, then they were hopping on our form. So like you mentioned, I, I don't know where there's, if there's, the mindset of the players are weak or if it's coming down to kind of trying to integrate what the coach is trying to do with the players and players manning up more. And it comes down to, you also saying, we don't have a captain because if those five captains are in the starting lineup, who do your fellow players listen to? Because you don't know who your captain is. No, not just that. I mean, they're not really, uh, you know, some people that are outspoken because, look, if you... Like, so I'm just talking, I'll say, you touch on, or we touch on last season. You've got Ozil, when the chips are down, he's going to go missing, let's face it. Definitely, yeah. Um, definitely. When the chips are down, uh, Xhaka loses his, his cool completely, and he just starts randomly decking down people. There also, that plan goes out of the window. Somebody that was kind of cool-headed, I mean, of course, he's now gone, is Nacho Monreal. Um, but I mean, I think now we need somebody, you know, the, the way it was done in the past, we have 
a strong figure as your goalkeeper, a strong figure in your centre-back area, and then a strong, you know, the, in the heart of the team at central midfield, you need a, a, a real boss in that middle of the park. And, of course, you need in the forward line also somebody really leading the line, not, you know, shying away. Because I think mean, that is where, you know, where when you, when you go head-to-head with Aubameyang and, and Lacazette, yes, Aubameyang is the goal machine at the moment. But, I mean, with mindset and that, on you know, even in... in, in Losing battles, like as it is always going to be somebody that's going to you know put his body in the line, get get about things. Whereas uh, Aubameyang can also he just almost like when he once he gets isolated or they figure him out, then it's like you're not going to see much of him. He comes in fits and starts in the game, but I mean at times you won't even know he's playing. That's, that's so true. I, I was actually also going to mention it about like as he just like for me I think he has good captaincy material, but besides that. He just, like I said, just shows that he has the fight, you know, no matter what's happening. You see him chasing down lost causes. So you need that type of guy in the front that, you know, no matter what the situation in the game is, like, I'm still going to be there for you guys. But I mean, like, you know, as we now round off the, the, the game now, I mean, I just hope we bring that sort of positivity, that, you know, the real strong vibe that we've been having showing. Because, I mean, the last few days also in training looks quite good. Like, you know, with the morale of the team as well, even though we've now still, you know, lost a few players. But, I mean, I just hope that I take it into this Watford game and finally fire, because you do know for a fact Arsenal are going to, you know, unlo- unleash themselves on, on on a team. So, I just wonder who that team is going to be, because even like Charlie Nicholas was saying, Arsenal need a sort of game where they can really explode and, and, and you know, tear a team apart, where people can actually say, OK, Arsenal have now laid the marker. This is now what they're all about because it's almost like we still, we've almost like felt our way with a, um, a Liverpool game, the defeat. I mean, it, it, it was a sort of almost like almost like overcautious, and I mean that ended up biting us on the backside. Then we came into the North London derby. I'm talking about the big games now, and then you almost like saw like part of me was thinking, ah, uh, you know, this is now just throwing away things, going two 0 down in a game that you know we were going in as favourites really. And then, you know, as much as you want to also feel angry at them for that manner of that first half, that sort of fight that they had in the second half. And then, of course, we just did not have that sort of, you know, fight to lead us over the finishing line. Because I think that is, I think, what is also another part of our game that we, we in a way, lacked in the top versus the top sides, in a way, is that, that final burst to finish them off. Because... I think Tottenham, if we'd been a bit more clinical, I think we could have seen them off. But it's not like you couldn't also be too too adventurous because look, Tottenham was still poking holes in our defence every time. Look, look, Tottenham were also quite lucky. I don't know if it was a stat you combine the amount of charges that they gave up for against Arsenal and Man City and still came up with a draw. Somebody said, you know, they, they got the two, the two points at the Etihad and the Emirates. It's, you know, you can't take anything away from them. But... On another day, that could easily have been 6-2 or 7-2 if chances had gone in. Hugo Lloris wasn't so, on top, um, so much on top of his game. And then another point I want to bring in. We need to, like you said, against Watford, start strong, try to bury our chances. And like maybe this is the game to explode because I can't see a better chance of Arsenal getting in the top four than this season now, than other years, and maybe moving forward. This is our chance to get in there and actually leverage in signings and stuff for the next season. Because, I mean, I'm, I was just listening to also to, to Frank Lampard a few days ago and, and Oleg Anasolskjaer as well. And you can see, they, they, as much as they're trying to put a, on a strong face, they are worried about these spots because 
you know the way Leicester are flying at the moment, Crystal Palace so far, I mean, of course, early days still, but Crystal Palace are looking also quite, you know, solid. They're not just, you know, waving the white flag. So they are, giving, you know, giving it a good game whoever they're playing. So, I mean, these are things to be, you know, also quite cautious about. Look, at, of course, the, the eyes are now also on, on teams like us or, or Tottenham now. But, I mean, you've got people like Everton will probably be breathing down our neck. If, I mean, if Wolves somehow get the eggs, you know, but they based on the squad, the balance, right? They could also be in the mix again. So it's going to be almost like a real dogfight to get that, that you know, the last two spots. Because, I mean, that is actually what we're playing for at the moment, for third and fourth. And that will give you Europa League coming up and Champions League. So you're going to see teams being tested really now with their strength coming off a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night game and having to, you know, step up to the weekend maybe against a team who hasn't played in the week. So it's going to start getting interesting now this season and you're going to have to show your grit now. I think that's also where the pressure is going to be on, say, teams like Chelsea. Because, look, you're going to have a Champions League campaign against, you know, Europe's best. And you're going to still have to put out the squad you know, the, the weekend again. And uh, with, with that transfer ban of theirs also, they don't really have that many players to play with, if you think of it, like, that they have uh, a first-team experience, whether it's for European, at that sort of level of European club football and the Premier League, because most of these guys have been load, uh, loaned out to lowly, you know, lower league teams in all across Europe. And now mm. it's, 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 uh, have to come down to that now. If you look at Chelsea's squad, you know, previous years compared to now, they look a shadow of themselves. I mean, you're going to have to ask Tammy Abraham to play on a Wednesday or Tuesday night and then on the Saturday or Sunday, or Olivia Giroud to do back-to-back, where before they had Diego Costa, Didier Drogba, Eden Hazard, Frank Lampard, John Terry, you had those actually winners. And, you know, now you're going to bank on inexperienced young guys doing this for you. And, you know, sometimes it has a very bad effect on the team. I mean, if you start losing back-to-back, and Chelsea could see themselves in a free fall. No, no, man, look at, at, at Olivier Giroud. He's also not happy with, you know, playing second fiddle at the moment to the forward line of, of Chelsea. So he's not almost like a guaranteed starter for them. So that's why he's also looking at probably... Even though he's, I think he got a new contract the other day, but I think he's also his eyes again probably thinking to January or so to already do something so he has a deal to exit, say in in, in next summer, you know, just to get something almost like a pre-contract type of thing signed for for January, and then just leave in the in the summer thing summer um, uh, window because I at the moment this I think that is where. Sorry to be not drifting towards Chelsea, but I'm just trying to like you know talk about our rivals a bit. But I think that is also where this job for Lampard, I think, was also a step too far for him that early. No, that is it's true. I mean, it's not like they gave him a glory squad of a mm. bunch of serial winners. I mean, they lost a lot of players. I mean, David Luiz, Gary Cale. No, Gary Cale didn't play much last season, but Gary Cale was for me one of the top defenders. David Luiz, they lost. They lost Eden Hazard. So it's like they gave Lampard, and they told Lampard, also, you can't sign anybody. It's like it's like taking a, a lost cause as a coach so young in your career. I mean, maybe a likes of Guardiola or, you know, Ferguson or those guys could maybe somewhat turn him into a top four side. But at the moment, it seems like Chelsea doesn't seem good at the moment for them. Uh, so we switch our attention now to the Europa League game on Thursday. It's probably going to be a somewhat earlier game than usual. I think it's about 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, we play away at Eintracht Frankfurt. And I mean, 
They were almost like the team of last season's Europa League, you know, took it by storm. They, you know, were quite mediocre in the Bundesliga. You know, just, I think they ended up six or seven in the Bundesliga. But other than that, Europa League, they were, you know, different kettle of fish, really putting teams to the sword. I mean, at times, making fools out of, of players. Um, they have some, you know, fantastic names in the squad. I think that the biggest uh, departures, I think, for them and people that they are really going to miss, you know, you've got that uh, Jethro Willems. I mean, of course, he's still trying to find his feet in the Premier League. Um, Rebic then went to AC Milan in a loan deal swap with <coughs> excuse me, Andre Silva coming across to to Frankfurt. Um, and then also that was also the goal machine of last season was uh, Sebastian Haller, who's now, you know, banging the goals for West Ham. And I mean, with the new arrivals, key arrivals, it's like just Kevin Trapp from PSG. But I mean, look, he was on loan, a season-long loan last season already there. And then, of course, Bastos from uh, Sporting Lisbon. And I mean, look, he's going to bring goals no matter what, because he's almost like the uh, Olivier Giroud, if you think. Because, you know, he's going to be uh, that type of centre-forward that, you know, puts his body about. He's going to win that headers and get flick-ons. It's going to be a very tough game. Oh, it's, it's away from home, right? In yeah. Germany, this gets game. So it's going to be a tough game. You know, going from Watford now, now to Germany, and you, you're going to have your players really tested. And I'm actually quite happy that our Europa League is like our group is relatively strong because it, it will allow the, the the guys that you know are coming maybe in as the reserve guys to also get some real tough competition. They're not coming in to walk over game. And that can also help out um, team competition because if a guy presses on a Thursday night against Eintracht Frankfurt, you, you're hoping that he'll be able to do the job also, you know, in the Premier League against a guy. I'm not saying a lesser side, but a, a maybe a lower quality side in the Premier League compared to Eintracht Frankfurt. So it's not going to be an easy game away from home, but I'm hoping that you know, the guys can step up. And how is Una Emery going to select his team for that game as well? Yeah. Because... Um, one thing that I'm also glad about, as I told you, I think last week, um, I'm just also happy that the matches are against teams in Central Europe. So it's not going to be that much, you know, uh, that much traveling. It can, you know, you can do almost like a one or two hour flight, you know, for either way. And I mean, what I also also look forward to is like seeing, you know, some of the youngsters that were really knocking on the door of last season. You know, finally getting almost like a fuller berth now in, in the Europa League because um, in the training videos I've seen the last week or so, uh, Emil smith looks, you know, bulked up. I mean, like muscle. And I mean, he's taller now. He looks, you know, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to seeing him also with, with regards to the, you know, that up-and-coming talent that we have. And then also, Reese Nelson, he looks like he has really something to prove, as you mentioned last week in the podcast. And then, of course, you got Saka that's going to, you know, he's going to set the Emirates alight when we, especially when we have the home games now in the Europa League. He looks like that player that, I mean, even away from home, he looks like somebody, you know, that always wants the ball. And I think with, with regards to the other players, we have a, a big enough squad to now, you know, cover all fronts at the moment. And I mean, that's what I'm really happy about. I think it kind of keeps your squad motivated. Eh? The team should actually stay in the Carabao Cup. FA Cup and, you know, the Europa League as long as possible because the likes of Reese Nelson, you know, say he does perform week in, week out. You look forward to that Thursday night because you know this is going to be my 90 minutes because not the, like if you play Champions League as well and everything when we eventually get there, you, you don't have the luxury of playing 
Eddie's Nelson at this stage of his career for 90 minutes at the time every week or every second week. We have that luxury now. So if the guys can show that, you know, they, they want this, they can keep us in all these competitions and keep us going, and, you know, maybe challenging for silverware as well, because I did read an article as well where Liverpool said that, um, the owner said that the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup is trophies that, you know, they must put out of their mind because they want the league or the Champions League. Mm. Um, Final note now before we now start rounding off the podcast. Um, Joe Willock, I don't know if you saw, he's now got a long-term contract extension, you know, which also, of course, ups his value for us. But, I mean, you know, well-deserved to the lad because, I mean, he... Look, I, I, you remember, was it last season or last summer? I was always telling you, in like when we have our private chats and that, I'm not sure of this guy, and, and, and he's not impressing me. He's like, you know, hanging onto the ball too much. And, and I mean, when you, when I saw this summer, the sort of that preseason he had, it, it was like it sent already alarm bells. I was thinking, I think, I, you know, I went a bit too quick with my judgment of the player because he looks like a grafter now. He looks like he's got the legs that can, you know, he, sometimes he looks on, he's like he's on his last legs, but I mean, he's still giving it his all. And I mean, the Arsenal fans love it. And I mean, that's why he's also becoming a, a favourite you know, of the Arsenal fans, because look, he's homegrown Arsenal player and oh, a youngster that came through the ranks, like all through the ranks at Arsenal. And I mean, now he's living the dream. I must give you a bit more credit to yourself. I don't recall you remember saying this, but you know, one of our podcasts of last season, you did mention as well that Warlock is showing a bit more than Ketia. So you have redeemed yourself a bit there as well. And the other final point I want to make is... um there's also articles now floating around with regards to, like, you know, things that Mertesacker has been saying and some former Arsenal players have been saying. And uh, the, the, the thing that they all now, you know, agree upon, they actually were saying Quindosi is actually going to be the player that Arsenal are going to have to probably build his squad around for the future. Because he's showing, like, you know, that, that the bit of, you know, leadership in a way. Sometimes, like, he still has it in discipline moments, but it's not like uh, so so far. It's not as bad as what we saw last season. We he would totally lose his rag now. Like when you know you get to talking to other ref, you know your other shuts up. You don't go on because I mean you was somebody that could get kind of petulant at times as well. But I think this is how the future is going to be evolving and revolving around Arsenal Football Club because you're going to also have. I'm sure the the defense is also going to be you know, revamped over the next year or so because, look, Socrates and Louise are not going to get any younger. So you're going to have people like Chambers probably stepping up, Rob Holding stepping up. You've got already Bellerin slowly eating his prime as a as a professional footballer. And then you've got Kieran Tierney on the other side also going to get into a point of his life now where he's now, you know, switching to another sort of level of football compared to the SPL. And, I mean, he's going to probably also going to thrive at that sort of level. And then you've got, like, the midfield of, look, Torreira is not old. And, I mean, you've got Guendouzi, you've got Willock. And, I mean, who knows who, how many other midfielders they still want to throw in, like, from the academy even. And then also up, up front, you've got Reese Nelson, Saka. And, I mean, look, people that we have bought now, it's like, you know, Martinelli and that. So if that team can also grow and mold, like, you know, mold itself into something formidable, I mean, the future looks good for Arsenal. No, Derek, that and like I know you mentioned all these youngsters, but you look at uh, Nicholas Pepe, he's not as old at the moment. He's yeah. what, 24 as well. So, so yeah. you have him who could possibly as lead the line and act as a mentor to these guys when they, you know, when they're eating their prime age. So he will grow with him. And like I said, 
I'm sure, uh, you know, I'll, like I said, also he's 28 at the moment, so he might be put fizzling out, but you have him also kind of then arranged to mentor them as well, should that new team be ushering forward to the, you know, the future of Arsenal. And I think what, what also left a warm feeling by me at end of last season already was, you know, when that Raul Sanehi, when he was saying, he wants Arsenal to be, you know, eventually run like the, the way Ajax were uh, running or... Barcelona, where you can actually look at that, that squad and you can say they came from our academy, they came from our, or this one came from our academy. So, you know, we can, or like even, you can take Bayern also as an example where they've actually got a crop of players that they've developed so much that they've gone through that, even like from under 18 to under 23 level, or under 21 level. And they are so confident they have that, that sort of air of, like, you know, arrogant, air of arrogance. But I mean, they could come straight from that team and they can just, you know, walk into that senior team and, you know, hit the ground running. And I think that is probably going to be what the Arsenal future is going to be based like, you know, where we can buy the, the odd, um, you know, worldy player, you know, top-class player. But I mean, for the rest of the team, you can fill it in with all your young and up-and-coming superstars who also bring, you know, great value financially also to you if you do need to maybe sell one or two of them, if you need to, you know, balance the books or start, you know, injecting new funds into the club, then you can, you know, sell on and they're going to come at a, you know, big fee. Because look at, at, at Barcelona youngsters. I mean, if, if any of our, our listeners are also like, say, FIFA gamers, if you even go on Barcelona on FIFA, whether it's 19 or probably not 20, if you go on any of the youngsters, just have a look. I'm not going to now give numbers now, but just have a look at the release clauses of all of these youngsters that are coming through now. I think you need to, to you know, go away that model because it also installs your, your, your pride in the club, man. Like, for example, if you're a youngster coming from the academy and you play that North London derby, you know what that North London derby means to you compared to someone who's coming from the outside. I'm not saying they don't know, but for you as a youngster growing up through Arsenal, you're not going to want to lose to Tottenham. And you, the club carries more pride to you and you actually play for that badge on your on your heart. So I, I fully agree with going that route eventually, but it's a sustainable way to grow a club. Okay, so I'll end the podcast off now. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Let's hope we get the three points tomorrow. Come on, you Gunners. Come, let's take the three points against Watford.